0: Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing COVID 19 vaccine messaging and why vaccine efficacies can't be compared and shocked. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the XOX Life Science Podcast. I'm Sarah Hand, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid. Hi there. Sydney Perlmutter and Mira Nobosi. Hello. Thanks for coming. So, Aisha, I think you're uh, starting us off this week. That's right, Sarah. Thank you. So a lot of talk
2: and a lot of developments on the COVID-19 vaccine front. So uh, late last week, the FDA approved uh, the third vac- a third vaccine for COVID-19. And this one is from Janssen and Johnson and Johnson. Um, it is a adenoviral vector-based vaccine. And um, so it was Uh, authorized for emergency use over the weekend and so it joins the ranks of Pfizer, BioNTech, as well as Moderna, which of course are two of the mRNA-based vaccines um, for COVID-19. So it's very great news that, you know, uh, we are seeing more options, uh, more vaccine options, especially in terms of and with respect to growing shortages and uh, backlogs in vaccine manufacturing. So this is great news. now, the uh, you know there are some concerns or some you know conversations being had in terms of the efficacies of the vaccines. So, Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines uh, reported efficacies of ninety-five percent or, or, or around that range. Um, so Johnson & Johnson has an overall efficacy of 66%. So the 66% number is being thrown out. Um, and people are talking about it and saying, well, it seems like it's significantly less than the other two However, it's important to keep in mind, though, to really start looking and digging into the data because the 66%, um, number one, it comes from multinational trials that were held in the U.S., the U.K., South Africa, and some Latin American countries. Um, And some of these countries, as we all know, have outbreaks of new variants. So you have the background of... Conducting some of these studies when the new variants were circulating, as opposed to Moderna and Pfizer, which held their phase three trials and met their clinical endpoints for the trials uh, earlier uh, back in November. So Johnson & Johnson and also AstraZeneca, actually, uh, they were conducting their trials um, right up until January and February. So a lot of that data came against the backdrop um, of these circulating variants, which of course would skew the uh, patient cohorts and the uh, case cohorts of COVID-19. Since these variants um, appear to be more contagious um, and can evade immune surveillance, making them Variants of concern. So that's one thing um, that needs to be kept in mind um, when evaluating the data and really doing a deep dive into it. Apart from the 66% efficacy number, which is an overall number, it's also important to take a look at the 85% efficacy that was seen for the prevention of severe disease. And I think that's an important metric that we need to focus on because prevention of severe disease, of course. would lead to prevention of hospitalizations and deaths. And for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, as with the other vaccines that we have for Moderna and Pfizer, they're actually 100% effective in preventing death. So no deaths were seen in the trials um, from COVID-19 in the vaccinated group, They uh, and also the efficacy for the prevention of hospitalizations was almost 100% as well. So these are very important metrics to really pay attention and focus on because essentially this is what uh, we want when we see the efficacy of a vaccine, really to prevent those hospitalizations and to prevent death and mortality. So in light of having more vaccine options, having these efficacy numbers, Um, There is a concern that people, not right now, because, you know, the uh, messaging right now is to go for the vaccine that's made available to you. But perhaps in the future, people might be given the option to go for a Pfizer or to go for a Johnson & Johnson. So this might bring about vaccine shopping. um, And that would be based on these vaccine efficacies. And of course, as I mentioned, just, just offhand, if you hear a sixty-six percent efficacious vaccine versus a ninety-five, you know, the inclination is to go to the ninety-five. But then for the reasons I mes- I mentioned, it's really important to tease out the data and to really do a deep dive into it. So my question to you is how do we, how do we mitigate this um, going forward? How do we prevent this kind of vaccine shopping and what kind of vaccine messaging would help to really get the, the data across and to really focus on the important metrics of these vaccines. And f- now do you think agencies, government agencies, um, regulatory agencies, do you think they're doing a good job of it and media outlets, of course?
3: I think, um, I think a big part of this is uh, educating the public about the, the data. I think a lot of people don't know much about um, the trials and what, um, you know, what successes that each vaccine has had. Um, I think everyone knows the idea of, you know, 95% success rates, but not 66 and why that is. Um, so I think a big part of uh, this whole thing is the government um, having to um, educate everyone about the vaccines and the options they have and, you know, the underlying importance of even taking a vaccine in the first place especially when we're so limited to the amount of vaccines that we can we can take due to you know um uh what's the word I'm looking for due to backlog in in you know the vaccine making facilities um but yeah that's that's my perspective on that
1: yeah, I think we definitely need more of an education piece around this, since this this data is so widely covered in the media. Um, I think now more than ever, people are, as you say, comparing these efficacies, like all they're seeing are numbers, right? And they're looking for the bigger number. Um and not looking at uh, what's behind that number, basically. So um, going back to what you were saying about how you can't compare those, I, I think that's a message that really needs to be spread to the wider public. And um, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether world governments are doing a good job of this or not. I can say that um, here in Canada, I haven't seen uh, a whole lot of a, a campaign that's been built around the COVID vaccines yet, but I'm wondering if that's because of, as you say, Mira, the uh, shortages. It's not as if they're really making a big push to get everyone vaccinated right now. They're really focusing on um, older people and and um, and more vulnerable populations. I think, or I would hope, that once uh, it's open to a wider group of people, that they would start this sort of campaign to educate people and. In my opinion, it's not going to be enough to say, go get your COVID vaccine. I think they're going to somehow have to address um, the fact that, listen, there's a few different ones available. We're not going to give you a choice. Here's why that's okay. I'm not sure what that will look like, but I don't think you can do it in a way that that they've um, you know promoted flu vaccines in, in recent years. Nobody's overly brand loyal to a flu vaccine. I know COVID is different. Um, and I think that's why they're going to need to address the fact that there are multiple uh, versions available, different technologies, different efficacy numbers. Um, but here's why it's important that you just get at least one of these. And I think it's going to come down to the fact that we want the, the highest number of people, the, the most um, number of people in, in these countries to get vaccinated to protect you know everyone and, and stop the spread.
4: I think this also really speaks to uh, media coverage as well, because I was reading Mm. um, a lot about how in Canada they are recommending that um, people over 65 not get the AstraZeneca vaccine. And Mm. my first initial thought before actually opening the article was, Maybe they tested it on them and yeah. it's more, it's less effective or something like that. That's just the first thing that came to mind. But actually, it was because of the exact opposite. They didn't have enough data um, mm. on on people over 65 with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So it really speaks to we really have to not just read the headlines because numbers are just numbers and they don't mean anything until you actually investigate, as you were saying. So. Mm -hmm. It's really important that we also educate ourselves uh, from what's out there right now, because I really didn't know much about um, why the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was less effective, but you explaining it would make me feel totally comfortable taking that vaccine if that was my only option as well. So I think any rational person, when given the information, would be okay to take it. And so I agree, it's, it's probably best not to shop around and be loyal to a brand and just at this point, be lucky enough to just get whatever vaccine that we can, given mm. the shortages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great
2: point regarding the media. You know, those headlines can be very sensationalist, uh, of course. And so it's really important to to um, dig deep into the data. However, do you think... You know, presenting people with with too much data. You know, throwing all of those FDA guidance documents to them. Of course, you would you know, uh, pared down. But do you think there's a, such a thing as too much data or data
1: data overload? How do we strike that balance? Um, yeah, definitely. I think there isn't a whole lot of. Um the guidance that that comes along with these articles that are written. So I think it's great that we have so much, you know, freedom of information and and freedom of the press. But um, particularly during COVID, I think we've seen that people have really gotten information overload um, and and really been burned out um, from that information. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is, if you compare these COVID vaccines um, to what normally happens in a healthcare setting, uh, I I think it's not so outside of the realm of possibility that you wouldn't get to choose what vaccine you're getting. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of wrapped up in this idea of, as you say, I want to get the vaccine with the highest efficacy. Of course, everyone wants that. Um, But we do also need to kind of leave this up to, the healthcare professionals, I think, that are making these decisions. So, like, if you were to go into your doctor um, complaining of, of some problem, you might say, oh, I heard about this drug. Is that right for me? That's certainly what the drug companies would like you to do. But at the end of the day, it's going to be down to your doctor to prescribe you something that he or she thinks is most appropriate. So um, I think that's another thing to keep in mind. People definitely need to have uh, – um a handle on their own health care, and, and certainly the patient gets a decision, but I think in this case, we all need to t- take a really big step back from this idea of vaccine shopping and choosing our own, um, which one we want to get, and at least for right now, as the, you know, the doses are really being slow, slowly uh, rolled out, I think... Um, yeah, I think that's just something that, that we can't do. And and the, the educational component around that really has to um, support that.
3: Yeah, I just want to add on to that from um from my experience, uh, you know, writing the article on the mm-hmm. UAE and like me having the choice to have taken um, different kinds of vaccines and mm-hmm. how I think the choice really made it... Um, very difficult for people to decide. And it was more like a life or death situation Mm -hmm. in a lot of conversations Mm -hmm. that I was having because information that was spread throughout the community was incorrect information, firstly. Mm -hmm. But secondly, they believed some sort of conspiracies towards different kinds of vaccines and conversations about different storylines and none of it being factual. I think people um, in the past, we've just been, you know, we've been told, you know, get the flu shot, not to eliminate getting the flu. But now it's like, you can get the vaccine if you want to. And here are your choices. Giving people choice, I think, is like, as much as we want to, you know, have the ability to choose freely, I think in this scenario, either one, we must educate better about the different choices that people have mm-hmm. and debunk any sort mm-hmm. of... Um, fake news in a sense. And then secondly, is sort of, you know, telling the health health ministries to be like, you know, to curb this horrible time in our lives, we need to take a vaccine. And so whatever vaccine available to you, just take it kind of scenario, I yeah. think is like a main thing here with the idea of, you know, shopping for your vaccines in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: I agree. I feel like uh, government officials and even uh, healthcare agencies and officials—they're kind of treading, you know, this kind of fine line where they don't want to impose um, mm-hmm. or mandate vaccines for people. Um, just in light of everything that's been going on with the pandemic, but at the same time, of course, you know we need this protection for ourselves and you know to get out of this pandemic. So I think they're really tiptoeing around this. Um, Although, yeah, we see campaigns for the flu shot, for shingles, you know, yeah. and I think that kind of educational component, Sarah, is how you were saying, needs, needs to be really integrated into um, – you know, a campaign for COVID vaccines, just explainers on the differences between the vaccines, why the efficacies may be different and why Mm -hmm. they can't be compared. Um, There is some hesitation on the part of, uh, you know, governments and and healthcare agencies for some reason to really not, you know, not push
1: vaccines, but push the information, I think, which is important definitely and and that's really interesting to hear your um your opinion of that mira since you've you've received the vaccine yeah. as well i kind of thought you'd come down on the side of you know it was nice to have that choice and maybe people should have choice but um yeah it's interesting to hear your experience in having to make that choice and and yeah. having it feel like mm-hmm. um a lot to to put on on you as the person kind of getting the vaccine so oh, that percent. Yeah, really like it was
3: even it was even like um kind of like uh a- I felt excluded in a sense because I decided to take the Pfizer vaccine. Mm. But the majority of people in Dubai were taking the Sinopharm one because they just believed that, you know, traditional vaccines would be the way to go. Mm. So every time I would, you know, bring up a conversation about COVID, for example, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for my second dose of Pfizer. It was like, whoa, you're taking Pfizer? Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, wow. why wouldn't I do that? You know, and it was just, yeah, it was just like there was a lot of conversation about about um, the reasons I chose a specific vaccine that was always almost always someone in my family had to bring up some sort of fake news where I was like did you actually Mm. google this you know to tell me you know I shouldn't have taken the Pfizer and like look at it now the efficacy of the Sinopharm is just dropping because not enough data was gathered in the first place Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting that It's awesome that people have a choice, don't get me wrong, but I feel like the choice should be associated with more education. Mm -hmm. Um, And then according to, you know, your background, health, your, you know, that sort of information, your age, your, your, um, whatever else categories that you can, you know, think of, then you could choose, you know, the correct vaccine for you. But Right now, I think it's just a bunch of companies just being like, here's our vaccine, everyone here are your choices, and then it's just a disaster in the making, Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, and uh, I think it's really unfair to uh, to ask people to make those choices without the uh, education and information, as Mm -hmm. you're saying. You know, amidst all of this circulating misinformation on top of it. So I think uh, that that's a really unfair burden to put on people, and I think that really uh, really lies on governments, um, healthcare agencies, and the media to do a better job of communicating and messaging um regarding the vaccines
1: right and the numbers are always changing right as new data data comes out and becomes available um so every you know few days or few weeks when um when we report on on new numbers i mean it's it's overwhelming for us and we're the ones that are writing about this kind of stuff i mean i can't imagine um just you know, somebody trying to keep up with the news of this and trying to make decisions for their family on on which one uh, would be best for them uh, when it becomes available. It's it's that's too much. It, yeah, definitely too much to ask. I think so. Um, that uh, it'll be interesting to see how how world governments make these campaigns and um, and which ones are most effective. And, uh, and you know, who knows? Maybe. A little while down the line, it'll come out that one vaccine is better for a certain age group than another. I'm not sure if that's some sort of data we'll be getting, but as Sydney was saying, you know, they were they were um, not recommending that older people get the AstraZeneca vaccine, and maybe there'll be more info that will come out. Um, on that as time goes on. So yeah,
2: that's a really interesting point. Because um, in the UK, they had this same recommend- recommendation for the AstraZeneca vaccine for it to not be administered to people over the age of 65. But now with real world data coming out uh, from other countries in Europe itself, um, there's a push now, um, you know, they've given, um AstraZeneca to people over the age of 80 Mm. and they're seeing good results Mm. and so now in the UK there are you know talks about let's um allow these vaccines to be given to people over 65 since you know we're getting this real world data and it's showing that it's effective and um there's nothing to worry about so yeah definitely you know this is just ongoing data it's not that these trials are, are done the endpoints were met that's it now it's actually you know that that was the efficacy but the effectiveness uh, i think there are two right. different terms and distinctions yeah, but yep. in the real world um you know post-marketing surveillance phase four trials, you know, it's the effectiveness in the real world and Mm -hmm. that data that's going to matter because we're, you know, millions of doses are being given out. So yeah, so it's really important to pay attention to that changing data and yeah, just need to have the correct information communicated Mm -hmm. out of that.
3: I was going to add on to that and say, I think there also needs to be data about um, what will happen after you get the vaccine. I think um, when I received the vaccine, I had pretty um, harsh side effects that caused me to panic. And there, I didn't find a lot of resources to help me. So I thought, you know, in my process of panic, this is probably why a lot of um, misinformation is being spread.
1: Well, that's the end of this episode of the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. Thanks, everyone, and see you all next week. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussions, you can find X-Talks on social media. Email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. We'll see you next week.